Live from Mexico City, this is The Late Late Show with Rich Wrigley. Good evening and welcome to The Late Late Show with me, Rich Wrigley. Tonight we're going to be talking about will we go back into lockdown because of the Omicron variants? And something more festive, we'll talk about Christmas vacations, winter breaks and everything in between. So please text in, I'm looking forward to hearing from you on The Late Late Show with me, Rich Wrigley. Live from Mexico City, this is The Late Late Show with Rich Wrigley on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to The Late Late Show with me, Rich Wrigley. This evening, we're going to be talking about well, should schools go back into lockdown or remote learning or distance learning, whatever you want to call it, uh, with the, I don't want to say ongoing threat, because that sounds kind of ominous, but with the possibility of the Omicron variant becoming more and more widespread as we go along. Um, the short answer to this is, yes, we should. <laughs> we should totally go into lockdown variant. Uh, we should totally go to remote learning. I was reading the I was reading the uh, the parliamentary procedures that were going on today. So for those of you listening back, today uh, was the day that the uh, the government or the uh, House of Commons was voting on whether mandatory like masks should be in place, mandatory vaccines for NHS workers. It was the uh, it was the vote that saw about a hundred Tory MPs rebel. Uh, and, putting pressure on Johnson's government. I was actually reading the the papers that they vote on. I think they're called like systems of intent or something along those lines. I'll look them up very quickly what they say, what it's actually officially called. Uh, but I was looking at what the government decide or where the government or is proposing that fa- places where face masks should be worn or coverings, face coverings should be worn. And so far, so good. It looks like, yeah, shops. Uh, enclosed shopping centres. Yeah, makes sense. Banks, building societies, and it really goes into a lot of detail about those kind of things. Okay. Yep. Absolutely agree. Post offices. Yep. Places of worship. Yep. Uh, Crematoria. And then it spent a considerable amount of time explaining what a crematorium is. I know MPs are not the smartest of people, but I don't think they need a paragraph to explain what crematoria is. Uh, Then community centres, youth centres, members clubs and social clubs, public areas. It goes on and on and on. But then it goes on into the more ridiculous levels of um, snooker and pool halls. Uh, You need to wear a face mask there. Totally agree. I mean, to be honest, you should wear a face mask everywhere. Uh, Then it says games and recreation venues, including, and they've literally quoted this in a bill that people were going to be voting on, laser quests, literally says laser quest, doesn't say something like, like, like a toy game situation or something, laser quests, escape rooms and driving facilities, which whatever that is. And then also circuses. I mean, good luck trying to put the uh, the masks on the tigers. I think that might be a bit tricky. Um, so those are the areas where you should be wearing a mask in the new proposals. Totally agree with all of those. And then literally it says gatherings taking in place in community premises where face coverings need not be worn. And the first place is edu- educational activities at a school. And I literally laughed out loud when I saw that because I'm currently as you may have noticed from the intro, I'm currently teaching in Mexico City. And the 
that's the sorry i just started reading some of the texts that are coming in so yeah i'm currently teaching in mexico city and we are we have a tier system that's called a traffic light system so when we're in the green traffic light system i believe or maybe the level up to like amber or something like that schools are permitted to be open at the moment and this is after 18 months of remote learning of home learning uh, so this has happened since the start of the academic year so late august of this year um, schools are allowed to be open but it's expected that all staff and students well particularly in my school all staff and students wear a mask at all times unless they are eating uh, we are very fortunate in the fact that even though mexico city is relatively high up we're at 2700 meters above sea level uh, where the school is it does get a bit chilly in the mornings but you can easily have the windows open uh, the weather is always very clement, like the risk of rain is very low, particularly at certain times of the year. So students are easily able to be outside most of the time and our uh, eating facilities, <laughs> we call it a kiosk, our cafeteria essentially is outside as well. So, you know, when people are eating, the risk is relatively low and on the whole, students comply with it. Yes, I would much rather not wear a face covering, uh, but if the choice was wear a face covering, or risk spreading COVID to either members of staff, members of the school community, teacher, uh, students, or their family members, then yeah, I'm going to wear a face covering. So I think I'm going on a bit of a long ramble here and a long rant, but oh my gosh, it just, I just can't believe what's going on. It's crazy. It's absolutely bonkers. Um, Seema's just texted in to say that's the extent of UK facilities. Well, I mean, circuses, I mean, I don't know if they were trying to describe the House of Commons or or anything like that but yeah it was i like how snooker halls had a particular had a particular clause in it as opposed to just sort of like fun activity centers or something like that um i did like the fact though that it had to be pointed out and several teachers when i posted this on twitter uh basically said well why don't we just do uh classes in a snooker hall and i was like well that would actually make sense to be honest i would actually try and organize a field trip to a snooker hall not because I'm very selfish and I would just want to play snooker all the time, but we could teach about momentum. We could talk about impulse and collisions and things like that. So it would have some bearing in physics. I think I need to develop a curriculum around pool halls and things like that. But I just, I really, really struggle to understand why certain people in the UK are being so precious about something that is pretty basic. I know I'm probably going to get slammed for this in the comments, uh, but I don't care. Uh, wear a mask, get vaccinated. And yes, you should show proof of vaccination to wherever you want to get let in. It's really not hard. And I'm not just saying this as in like you should do as I say. Uh, I'm saying this because I've done it. <laughs> it's not hard. I had to show proof of vaccination uh, to work in my school. It's not hard. I We get randomly tested every now and then, just like in the UK. But also in the last couple of weeks, I did uh, a couple of marathons, a couple of races. I did the Mexico City Marathon. This is just basically any opportunity to flex about this. Um, I did the Mexico City Marathon and I did a marathon in Veracruz a couple of weeks ago. And the proviso or the proviso of getting at the starting line or getting your race number so you could go to the starting line was that you would have to show proof of vaccination if you were vaccinated or if you were not vaccinated you would have to show a recent covid test i think within the last 24 hours or 48 hours something like that um so not that hard but also at those events there were just testing sites there ready to go like to let you in basically that you would do a quick uh rapid test 
And if your results were negative, then you would go and pick up your race number. I'm going to be doing that for another race coming up in a couple of weeks. It's it's really not hard. And it really bugs me because countries like Mexico and more developing countries, is that the right word, are really being hit hard by this pandemic. Uh, and people are too... A majority of people here are obeying the rules. People are wearing masks. People are getting vaccinated. People are complying with certain things. No one's being precious about it. You know, yes, no one likes it. <laughs> I don't think anyone enjoys getting vaccinated. No one enjoys the side effects. No one enjoys wearing a mask, but people are doing it without getting all precious about individual freedoms because people realize it's part of the greater good. And so it just reeks of privilege seeing people in the UK, certain people in the UK, flouting the rules, hoarding vaccines, all of this kind of stuff when other countries are really, really struggling. And it's it's very hard to be, I really sympathise with people who are doing everything right in the UK, but oh my gosh, the rest of the country is not making themselves, is not helping me, to be honest, not helping my sympathy. So apologies for that rant, uh, but I feel like I needed to just sort of let, let it off my... Uh, chest a little bit for want of a better word excuse the terrible pun i didn't you know i shouldn't say let it off my chest and covid at the same time um but tonight on the late late show with uh, me rich wrigley we're going to be talking about how much teaching or how much remote teaching i, I was going to say do you think will be happening in january and february after the winter break if you're in the northern hemisphere please do text in do you think that we're going to be going to more of a hybrid model, kind of going back to a hybrid model. Um, what have you been doing in the UK as well, particularly because I'm kind of out of touch with what's happening in the UK. I'm kind of out of touch in general anyway. Um, but please do text in about what you think your thoughts will be. Do you think we'll be going back to a hybrid model? Do you think we'll be going back to online learning? If so, for how long? Uh, do you think this will have an impact on exams? What are your thoughts with this? Uh, and please do text in. So, yes, we're talking about the... <laughs> the possibility of online learning and if you have any questions about how to improve online learning well I am indeed the master of online learning because as I alluded to a few minutes ago in my rant about uh, about uh, precious people <laughs> complaining about masks we've been online or teaching online in Mexico Mexico held the record for the longest period of online learning um we taught online from March of 2020, a week before the UK, uh, went into online learning. And then we stopped online learning in July of 2021. So basically, we did a full year of online learning plus half of an academic year. So one and a half academic years online. Boy, are we noticing that right now, uh, especially with things that you wouldn't normally assume. Uh, for example, my uh, my some of my students really struggling to draw graphs, and I realised that they're at this they're basically a year and a half behind where they should be in that respect, and that's because even though we did online learning, we did things like not using specialist materials. So if we drew graphs, we would do it online or using simulations or using things like whiteboard.fi, and so when students had to draw a graph on a gra piece of graph paper, they would struggle with really simple things like deciding the scale of the axes. And we had to almost, like, I had to bring it back to basics and go, okay, right, here's how we pick a scale. Here's how we plot our points. It was, it was uh, beyond the usual kind of sort of like 
uh, errors that students make at those times. And they're able in other things as well, but it's just little things you pick up on now and then. And you're like, oh, yeah. And we have to remember as well that they've been out for a year and a half during, quite frankly, a pretty awful time as well. So it's really kind of stressed them out. Uh, so uh, we've got people texting in here. Tom Rogers has just texted in to say, I don't think we'll go back to full full on lockdown anytime soon in the UK, if ever, but hybrid is possible. To be honest, I, oh, I, I would much prefer either one or the other, either everyone in school or everyone everyone online um because i we did hybrid for the first half term yeah first half term here so basically from august september till the half term break we did hybrid and we did our best with it i think we did a very very good job but what the problem with hybrid is no matter how good it is and no matter how good of a teacher you are you're going to pay attention more to the people in the room than online. You can plan amazing activities for people online and check in with them every now and then, or check in with them regularly, I should say. But the the people in the room are just, you notice them more. So it just, <laughs> I'm very scientific with how I'm explaining this. Uh, pedagogically speaking, you notice them more. Uh, but you will pay attention to someone who's directly in your room so you don't give the same amount of attention to the people online you can try and rotate it but it creates a huge problem with that we tried rotating it by doing like every other day students would be in and then on fridays we would be all online or certain year groups would be all in or we would do every other friday people would be in and it did work up until a point um but if the risk of omicron is so high then we should be in lockdown anyway. So you're still having that risk of people being in school and particularly in the UK where you can't ventilate as well as we can here. So when I teach in rooms, we have CO2 monitors. Yes, trigger word, sorry. We have CO2 monitors. We've had them since the beginning of the year. <laughs> um, there's a real, oh, on an, I'm gonna go on a tangent. There's a really cool experiment that you can do if you are a biology teacher or a science teacher with CO2 monitors that I saw on Twitter, basically what you can do is get any kind of plant, um, obviously a live plant in a pot, and then get a big clear see-through rubbish bag. It needs to be see-through. And then you can put your CO2 monitor in the rubbish bag or in the in with the plant and the rubbish bag, tie it off. So there's like an airtight seal around the plant. So you basically put your plant inside of a bag and tied it off and what should happen over time is as photosynthesis occurs the uh the co2 level inside of the bag will go down and you can monitor it over time that's a really really cool experiment to do uh i'm doubting most people in the uk will be doing it right now because i think you're quite lacking on co2 monitors at this point so i'm imagining probably some strong uh, strong words from your head of science or head of school if you're utilizing the co2 monitors that way um also, the, oh, the biggest bugbear with CO2 monitors is that my year 13 students, bearing in mind they're physics students, they tried to game the CO2 monitor because they knew that if the CO2 monitor went above a certain level, they could go outside to where the cafeteria was and we'd have to have our lesson outside. So they all kept coming up to my desk where the CO2 monitor was and keeping their masks on, obviously, but keeping their masks on, they would try and breathe near the CO2 monitor to see the rate at which it would increase. And then this was pure nerdiness. They actually worked out how many people people would have to stand near it and for how long in order for the co2 monitor to get to like above 
scary levels. I was crazy impressed with them about that. Um, and then a lot of... Uh, so we went outside anyway. Um, but yeah, it was an absolutely brilliant way of gaming the CO2 monitor. And also a really good way of talking about validity of experiments and talking about uh, the validity of the CO2 monitors. I mean, they're a great way of measuring if there's airflow, but they don't test a lot of other things. And it also shows up a lot of our... Uh, our ignorance or our scientific illiteracy, because I actually had, I heard a rumor, I don't know how true this is, but it was a, a teacher and a non-science teacher uh, who took their classroom out or their classes out af when the CO2 monitor goes over 500. Now the units for this is 500 parts per million. If you calculate that, that's actually the average percentage of how much CO2 there is in the atmosphere. So one teacher would be taking their classes out if there was CO2 that was at an average level in the <laughs> like the average level in the atmosphere. So, yeah, anyway, we were talking about the hybrid model and all of those kind of things. We have CO2 monitors in place uh, for when we're teaching it. And we had. I'm trying to remember what we said. Yeah, we had CO2 monitors in place. We were very fortunate as well that a lot of our students are privileged, essentially enough, because I, I do teach in an international school, which is essentially a private school, um, privileged enough that they can afford decent software that they could, uh, and hardware, that they can afford a decent laptop, they, they can afford an iPad. Um, you know, there are some students that maybe don't have the latest iPad, but on the whole, they're very privileged in that respect. So um, going back to a hybrid system or to a lockdown system in state schools and public schools uh, could be really disadvantageous for a lot of people um and it leads me to what happened in what what's happening here in in mexico when we were at home learning and bear in mind this was for 18 months as well uh, state schools were closed for the 18 months and some state schools were able with facilities with their facilities to be able to deliver online lessons um but some weren't particularly in rural rural areas of mexico where the internet connectivity is not that good i mean in mexico city that you know it's a city of nearly 20 million people you know, internet connection is, you know, it, it's considered, you know, you know, essential, you know, there's no issues with connectivity or anything like that. But in some areas, in some rural areas, that that's not a possibility. Um, so we would have students who would not be able to attend physical lessons, would not be able to attend their online lessons. And the government came up with a, a solution to this, and that was to televise lessons, kind of like the open university, but all day. And so we had some students in Mexico who were just literally watching TV, uh, learning that way, watching the equivalent of, you know, uh, lessons like the open university or the learning zone or whatever you want to call it, but for the whole day. So it really is going to have a, a knock-on effect. Now, personally, I would say, yes, we should return to home learning, but I also have to remember <laughs> my how fortunate I am to a, be able to work in a school like that has the facilities, but also I have to understand that not everyone has those things in place. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> so, please do text in. Do you think we will go back to home learning, remote learning, whatever you want to call it, in the after the winter break in January or February? Also, please text in where you are as well, because maybe you're in a, in a location that's been doing remote learning on and off in different, you know, for a longer time than the UK. I know most of our audience here are from the UK, but it's always great to hear as well where people have been texting, uh, where people are texting in from. So please do message in with that. We're going to pause briefly because we have our commercials coming up as well as uh, the news. Uh, so I will pause briefly for that. Please do text in on the Lay Late Show. 
do you think lessons will return uh, go to an online situation uh, you're listening to the late late show with me rich wrigley are you looking to take your phonics practice forward then little wondle letters and sounds revised is the program for you created by two schools with an excellent track record in phonics Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised will help all children become readers and ensure no child is left behind. The programme offers complete support for your phonics teaching, alongside classroom resources and fully decodable readers from Collins Big Cat. To find out more, follow at Letters Sounds on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram or join a free briefing by visiting littlewondelettersandsounds.org.uk. Teachers Talk Radio is delighted to support Winston's Wish, the UK's childhood bereavement charity. Winston's Wish supports children and their families after the death of a parent or sibling. They provide emotional and practical bereavement support. Expert teams also provide online resources, specialist publications and training for professionals. Find out more about Winston's Wish and pledge your support at www.winstonswish.org. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. Following last week's warning from Ofsted's Chief Inspector that a number of children are missing from school, England's Children's Commissioner, Rachel D'Souza, has announced that an investigation to locate the ghost children is to be launched. Some estimates have suggested that as many as 100,000 children are at risk of abuse after failing to return to school after lockdown. Rachel D'Souza said, We're hearing lots about ghost children, and I hate that term. These are real flesh and blood children. We should be able to find out where every child in England is. We should be making sure they are in school receiving high quality education. The Education Secretary, Nadim Zahawi, said his department had now set up a new attendance alliance designed to bring together the key figures able to tackle the problem of missing school children. Following Nicola Sturgeon's announcement on Friday that the Scottish Government would do all that it can to keep classrooms open, the Deputy First Minister John Swinney has stated that schools in Scotland will be the last thing we close. These announcements come in response to a rapid increase in cases of the new strain of Covid and a call from teaching union boss Larry Flanagan to close schools early for Christmas. He said the Scottish Government should consider an early Christmas closure if a fire break is needed to fend off a new wave. Nicola Sturgeon said last week that she would bust a gut to keep schools open as normal. Butterflies Nursery in Craigie, Dundee usually organises food bank donations around Christmas. But this year they have raised the bar 
and have launched a winter jacket drive. Manager Caroline McDermott said, It just came from us thinking, what else can we do to help? A lot of people have lost their jobs with the pandemic recently. And the last thing a lot of people think of when they're doing their budget is a warm winter coat. We printed off some laminated signs and made some flyers. So far, it's been quite successful. Everyone deserves a winter coat. So far, more than 50 coats have been donated by pupils, parents and staff. This has been your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. And my transitions were seamless this time. Way get in. It's all going well here at uh, TTR headquarters, the Mexican branch. Uh, we managed a seamless transition there. I've got a new microphone, which seems to be working. New headphones, which seem to be working. Uh, what's, the Mex- what's the Spanish equivalent for TTR headquarters? I can't remember anyway. That's um, <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, we are here on the Late Late Show. Welcome back. Uh, you're with me, Rich Wrigley. We're talking about should or will or do you think uh, the uh, classes will return to online lessons or hybrid model in the after the winter break? Uh, but we're also going to talk about what do you think? What are your plans for the last week of term? Is this your last week of term here? Um, I'm very fortunate. This is my last week of term. We've had a crazy long term. We started in middle of August. Uh, Mexican schools are long. Uh, we're very lucky that we have a half term and we have a half term at the around the 1st of November for Day of the Dead, Dia de las Muertes. Uh, but a lot of schools don't. You just have basically the day off for Day of the Dead or like the two days off. You don't get a half term. So in the other school that I was working at here when I first uh, moved abroad, so many, many years ago, uh, you're, I had just been teaching for a couple of years. So I was still an ECT uh, I'd done my NQT year, I'd done the NQT plus one year, uh, so I had like two full years of teaching experience, and my I always remembered that like the first term was the longest and the hardest, and like you would have like eight weeks before a break, and then I rocked up in Mexico, and you st- I started uh, August 11th, or around about then, I had about a week of acclimatization, uh, and like training and things like that, and yeah, lessons started around the middle of August, Uh, So like August 11th-ish. And we kept on teaching until December 19th, like around about now. Uh, We had a day off for Independence Day around September time, a couple of days off in November for Day of the Dead. And and, uh, I think one of them was Flag Day or the Revolution Day, like celebrating, commemorating the revolution. And that was it. So I think the record was a 21-week term with no break. Uh, So... It's very much a baptism of fire when you get, when you teach abroad. I'm very fortunate as well that the school in that I'm currently working at realized that that's a crazy system to operate. And so they were luckily they were able to negotiate with the, the authorities to say, like, look, we're putting in a break at this point during Day of the Dead. There's going to be two bank holidays anyway. So they're only actually losing three days, blah, 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 sort of thing like that. And it worked really, really well. And we get a, a break. And we're also very fortunate. Because normally you only get uh, two weeks for Christmas uh, or for the winter break. And the school I'm currently working in, you get three weeks for the winter break. That's also one of the perks of teaching abroad. You do get longer vacations, longer holidays. Um, Particularly if you teach in South America, the school I worked at in Brazil, you got 
um, you got the summer term is during the Christmas break because or the wind, you know, the wind, the northern hemisphere winter break. And so normal Brazilian schools summer holiday, like the six weeks that you would get would be having Christmas right in the middle of it because it's the summer term. Uh, the school I worked at followed a North American timetable, but still had to acknowledge that that's going to be the case. So instead of school starting in January of the year that's when the academic year would start our school would start following the northern hemisphere model in like november on on i'm sorry september onwards but it meant that we got a month off for christmas and we in, and in exchange for that at the time where there would be a summer break for most brazilian students which would be like two three weeks long instead of getting the standard sort of six weeks vacation we got five weeks um and with half terms as well, which was great because it meant that you got to travel at around Christmas time in South America with cheap holiday prices, basically, as well, because you were kind of booking out of term time because they kind of follow the the policies of North American term term dates being like the most expensive. So it was absolutely fantastic for that. Um, but yeah, we're talking about. Do you think we're going to return to the home learning model? Do you think um do you think it's worth it? What are some of the advantages and disadvantages? Please do text in. Uh, I'd love to hear from you. Also, please do text in with where you're from right now as well, because uh, that also gives us a good idea of what's happening as well. Um, but yeah, also, we're going to be talking about what are your plans for the last few days in the run up to the winter break. This is my last week of uh, term here, and I'm imagining a lot of it is the same for most of people's uh, where, where people are in the UK right now. And I'm, to be honest, I'm, I always thought I was quite liberal and progressive with my teaching style. And then I realized, no, we're going to keep like, so I, I thought I would be, when I got into this, I would be the teacher that would do fun activities and things like that during the last week of term. And I just keep teaching right up to the end. I must be, yeah, I must be the fun police or something like that. I mean, like the last day, yes, we'll do some fun stuff, but yes, I, I don't understand. I don't really understand the excuses a lot of people think have for parties and things like that i'm like i'm here to teach yeah i might you know might be a bit of a killjoy but that's that's what it is i do have the best physics lesson and i will share this after the show i do have the best physics lesson if you are a fan of a sim of the simpsons that is a really really good end of term so you know like any kind of it's not christmas related or winter winter break related but uh, the best end of term activity if your students are a fan of The Simpsons and you like physics or are a physics teacher, I think it's the greatest blag in physics educational history because we legit watch an episode of The Simpsons and then answer physics questions based on it. Um, so the the episode in particular in general is Deep Space Homer. It's one of the earlier episodes of The Simpsons. Uh, I think it was like fourth, fourth or fifth season. It was just in the period where the Simpsons were getting into their stride. You had like the first two seasons, the first season, which was really dark. If you go back and watch the first season, it's really dark. Like there's a lot of things like, you know, like Bart goes to France and it, on an exchange program. And it turns out that the people he's staying with are horrible and, you know, essentially abuse him and neglect him. Uh, you know, Homer thinks he's going to get killed because he ate some poisonous fish. It's really, really, really dark. Uh, how am I so precise on Simpsons references? I'm so impressed. Uh, because I was... So, sorry, Tom's just texted in to say that. Uh, because basically all of my references are 
uh, our Simpsons references. Also, I will recommend, especially if you're living in Latin America, particularly in Mexico, The Simpsons is a great, great way to learn Spanish. I grew up watching it. I basically grew up up until the early 2000s watching every episode, and I can still quote it. My wife and I can quote it in English, but also in Spanish. And there are two dubs. Um, there's two dubbings. There's the Spanish-Spanish version, the Castellano version, um, which everyone turns their nose up at because the dubbing is terrible. And then there's the Mexican-Spanish dub, which got sent to all of Latin America. And it's really good. And it's really interesting because some of the jokes change uh, between things. So uh, there's like one episode where um, there's one bit where oh, there's one episode where they all go to the beach for the summer vacation. Uh, Lisa can't make any friends. It's I think it was around about 1998 that episode came out. And right at the end of it, like it turns out she does make friends. There's some drama involved. And right at the end, her friends decorate her car or her dad's car, Homer's car, uh, with a load of shells from the beach as like a thank you and you'll always remember us kind of thing. And Homer screams out, ah, sweet, merciful, CR. I can't swear on here. My car. Um, there's no way of translating that literally. So the voice artist went, I have no idea how to translate this. And so they go, ah, quiero vova a chango, which means like, oh my God, I'm going to turn into a monkey, which is really, really funny in Mexican Spanish. And it makes way more sense as a joke than in English. So you can, it's a really, really good way of learning Spanish, particularly if you live in Latin America, because you can pick up all of the phrases and things like that. Uh, so, yeah, that's how my Simpson knowledge is so good. But anyway, we would watch. So basically, you can watch the episode Deep Space Homer. Now, obviously, as a Simpsons nerd, I have all of these on DVD. So I just bring my DVD in and we watch that on my laptop. And it's the episode where Homer goes into space. Uh, Buzz Aldrin makes a cameo. Uh, I think another, another astronaut also makes a cameo, but I'm not 100 percent sure. Um, and I have a worksheet and a load of activities basically asking questions about the physics that's happening inside of the episode. So we talk about circular motion. We talk about uh, how the nuclear power plant runs. Uh, we talk about uh, differences in pressure, weightlessness, all of these kind of things uh, based on what happens inside of the episode. Uh, you should be able to stream it on Disney Plus or I think Star Plus. Some people have that as well. Star Plus is like the new Fox channel. That's what we have here and that's where all the Simpsons episodes are are on as well. It's a really, really good way of getting students involved. And I've noticed over time that the interest in the Simpsons has dipped. So like when I first did it about 10 years ago when I first started teaching, people were like, yeah, we got to watch an episode of the Simpsons and we just have to answer a few questions. Awesome. And then when I went to Brazil, people go, no, uh, The Simpsons isn't funny anymore or something like that. They said it wasn't funny. And I got really, really upset about that. That was the worst feeling in the world. Uh, and then when I taught in Germany, it was a similar thing. People were like, oh, OK, cool, whatever. I'll watch this. Um, but it was great coming back to Mexico because Mexican students were like, I told them this, that like some other countries, people didn't like The Simpsons. And I was and my students were like, but what the simpsons is timeless it's great what, what are you talking about like and they would we would have the exact same discussion like oh some of the jokes are actually better in spanish and and things like this so i'm very very lucky that i can still work in mexico city um i well, that working in being able to work in mexico city means that you work with students who appreciate the simpsons which is fantastic also really interesting everyone here loves the beatles i think it's part of like citizenship tests like i'm not kidding like everyone here loves the beatles and not like oh i like hey jude or i like this particular song people here have an 
I don't want to I don't want to say freakish, but it's the best analogy. A freakish knowledge of the Beatles, and I don't just mean people you know who grew up with the Beatles. You know, people who grew up in the '60s, maybe even like you know a little few more decades on. People my age, so like people in their thirties, absolutely love the Beatles. Like, if you don't like the Beatles, people will be like, "What? Why?" But also, the children I teach like the Beatles. Like secondary school students like the Beatles to the point. That one secondary school student who was in year ten a couple of years ago, before the pandemic kicked in, they were like, you know, sneakily listening to something on their phone. So obviously, you know, it's like, right, I'm going to take the phone and blah 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 blah, all of those things. And I looked at the phone, and it was the best of the Beatles or a random, I think it was Revolver. I was like, you were listening to the Beatles? What? And they just said to me, yeah, the Beatles are timeless. And I was like, oh, I know they're a good band, and I know people like them, but you know, I don't think people would actively. Especially teenagers actively say that they love it, and there's a couple of reasons for this. One reason is that during the '60s and '70s, there was a quite a, uh, an oppressive government. It was essentially a dictatorship uh, in power during during the '60s and '70s. And you might have read a lot about this if you've seen movies like Roma uh, or things like that. You can see that there there was a lot of oppression uh, towards like Mexican citizens during the the '60s and '70s. And um, one of these things was the Beatles were never allowed to play in in Mexico. They never did a live show in Mexico because the the government at the time thought that it would like promote bad morals or promote basically people, you know, standing up to the government, you know, kind of like all of the counterculture thing. So because of that, there's this kind of mysticism, not mysticism, but this kind of mystery behind them because no one, you know, unless you left the country, no one had seen a live show of the Beatles. So it was kind of, it was also kind of seen as a very rebellious thing and a very anti-government thing. But then also on top of that, uh, the local radio stations, there's one, there's, I think there's two radio stations. One radio station plays an hour of Beatles every day. And another plays, I think an hour, hour and a half every day at a certain time. It's the Beatles hour. And it's literally anything by the Beatles, anything adjacent to the Beatles, so Wings or, you know, any of the solo, solo music and things like that, they will just play it nonstop. So because of this, people have just got so much access to this content that they're absolutely obsessed with it. It's, and it's really, really weird. I remember, I remember going to a friend's, like to a friend's party. This was before COVID, which is about, you know, two years ago. And they were like, oh, we're going to do some karaoke. And I was like, oh, great, karaoke, awesome. And they were, I was like, I don't know any songs, in, like any Mexican songs or anything like that. Oh, okay, cool, we got the Beatles. And they were like, yeah, we'll put a song on for the Beatles. You're English, you'll know this. And it was the most obscure song. I think it was like a B-side from the White Album or something like that. It was, And I was like, oh. and they were like, you're English. How do you not know every Beatles song? I was like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> so it's a... It's a very, very sort of bizarre thing. But yeah, my Christmas activity, probably the only one I bust out every year, is the recap of The Simpsons, where we get to watch an episode of The Simpsons and then answer some questions uh, based on it, basically. Uh, so that, that would be my only activity. And then I also bust out a few of the, the classic ones, which I like to call, I don't want to call time-wasting labs, but labs that you can do that are very easy to set up, that are very open-ended and that you don't have to exactly know how many students are going to be in your class uh, because that's another issue that Mexican schools face is that we publish our grades so like we like we have to release grades to the Mexican authorities at every certain point around the year um, and then after that 
so our grades were just published last week and they were sent off to like the education ministry. So technically this week, students know that they're not going to be graded on anything because they can't be graded on anything until next term, essentially. Uh, so people or students and parents do tend to walk, vote with their feet uh, a smidge, basically. And then this week, you'll see that the numbers drop off. It's almost like a half-life curve. Monday, you've got about 80% in. Tuesday, you've got 40% in and so on and so on and so on. To the point that on Friday, we've actually had an email sent around going, right, okay, we're going to register the students and then we'll take them all to a group area, like a communal area and do a quick head count and look at, uh, you know, and see if it if we need to merge classes because there's just not enough stu <laughs> students. Um, one year in my previous school, and this was, I think this was the last day of the summer term, in the secondary school, which had about 500 students, so not a huge school, but not a small school, we had one student in for the official last day of term, one student only. Uh, and that was a that was a son of one of the teachers. So they had to come in anyway because the teacher was coming in. If not, there would have been no students in school. But the teachers are expected to be in as well, because if the education ministry come and check things out, they don't care if there's no students in. They're not, they're not going to enforce the fact there's no students in. But if the teachers are not in, that means there's big trouble. So I remember when I was working in my previous school, they said, like, no, you have to come in, even though we know there's going to be very little students in. Because a lot of us were suggesting things like, well, can't we do a rota? How about half of the teachers come in on Thursday and the other half on Friday and that we can work from home or something like that? And they said, well, no, they're not going to, you know, they're, they're, the education ministry will tell us off if we do that. I was like, but they won't tell you off. They won't tell us off to the fact that there's no students in. No, 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 that's fine. But they'll tell us, they'll come in. And if there's no teachers here, they'll tell us off. Yes, that's correct. But we're, we're sat here doing nothing. We're really sat here doing nothing. I mean, we're planning for next year and, you know, like for next academic year and things like that. But some people are leaving, you know, at the end of this academic year. So some, you know, some people are just sat playing board games, basically, and just waiting for the day to end. We're not going to get told off if they come in and see that. No, that's fine. You just have to be in. And you're like, oh, okay, right. So that is kind of what it is sometimes. So anyway, you're listening to the Late Late Show with me, Rich Wrigley. We're going to pause briefly again for one more quick commercial break. And then we'll be back uh, for the last 15 minutes of the Late Late Show. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. This week we're going to look at one of the simplest, freely available, yet least used browser technologies, the Reader View. Chrome versus Edge, let the battle commence! On screen one, I have Microsoft Edge, weighing in at the cost of zero pounds. On screen two, I have Google Chrome, also weighing in at the cost of zero pounds. Round one, opening Reader View. On the Edge browser, the immersive reader feature is built in and can be activated by a button on the address bar, by typing read followed by a colon in front of a URL, and also you can simply press F9. Before you can open Reader View in Chrome, you have to install it as an extension. It's free and not difficult. Once installed, you'll find it in extensions located to the right of the address bar. One point to Immersive Reader. Round two, features. Both come out fighting with the read aloud feature that allows the user to adjust the read speed, skip forward and back, and change the voice that is reading. They both also highlight the word being read. Chrome Reader has a volume control, which is a nice touch if not using headphones. One point, Chrome Reader. Round three, readability. A big feature for reader views is the ability to change the formatting to suit the user. Both allow easy changing of font size, font and text width on the screen, but they differ in background colour features. Here is where Immersive Reader offers quite a bit more. Chrome Reader offers eight background slash contrast colours, 
4 light and 4 dark, Immersive Reader provides 23 background options, green, pink, yellow and blue included, allowing pupils with visual needs to find a comfortable colour. One point, Immersive Reader. Round 4, Editing. Chrome Reader features a design mode. This allows you to highlight text and make changes. Quite useful if wanting to pick out key points to return to. Immersive Reader does not have this feature. One point Chrome Reader. Round 5. Extra Features. Immersive Reader has a grammar feature, allowing words to be split into syllables. You can highlight nouns, verbs, adjectives and adverbs by flicking switches. This feature is not offered on Chrome Reader. One point Immersive Reader. Immersive Reader also offers reading preferences, featuring line focus of 5, 3 or 1 line, blocking out the rest of the page. There's a picture dictionary, allowing some words to change the pointer to a magic wand that reveals a picture depicting it. Also, there's a translation feature allowing partial or full translation of a page into 88 different languages at the click of a button. Chrome Reader does not offer these features, however, other free products such as Google Translate could be used. Immersive Reader takes the point because you don't need to leave the page. Final score! Winning with 4 points to 2 after a blistering final round is Microsoft Immersive Reader, but let's face it, most people don't know these things exist. If you were one of them, please do something about it. See if these features are installed in your school, and if not, request they are. For a visual version of this episode, check out the TT Radio 2021 Twitter feed. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Sorry about that. And you're back to the Late Late Show with me, Rich Wrigley. That was one of my smooth transitions that i can decide of the uh that the folks at teachers talk radio headquarters the main version the main branch of teachers talk radio headquarters not the non-union mexican equivalent another simpsons reference there for everyone has texted in you can follow teachers talk radio on twitter i'm assuming i'm assuming most people do uh but you can follow us at tt radio 2021 or tt radio 2021 uh yes please do text in we've got another five minutes or so before the end of the show we've been talking today on the late late show uh with me rich wrigley we've been talking about do you think uh online learning will happen again after the winter break in the northern hemisphere the winter break if so yes uh if not why do you think that um are you in a place that's already doing home learning i know a lot of countries have already started moving to that or moving to a hybrid model out of uh safety or sensibility um Obviously, the UK has not done that, and I'm shocked because they've been so. The UK government has been so ahead of the game in the past 18 months with everything. You know, the people in charge have done an absolutely amazing job. Uh, so I'm just shocked that this is the one few, one of the few missteps that have been made by the UK government. Um, but yeah, please do text in on the show here live, or you can tweet in at TT Radio 2021 as well. Please do give us a follow as well. It really, really helps us out. Uh, we've also been talking about what are your plans for the last week in the run-up to the festive break and to run-up to the winter break or the summer break if you're in the Southern Hemisphere. Um, I've talked about my greatest blag professionally, which is legitimately watching an episode of The Simpsons and then doing some questions on it. It does work quite well, and I will post my worksheet as well, uh, complete with Simpsons font back in the day when I realized that the font existed or a font website and you could actually in put in a load of 
crazy fancy fonts and things like that. I then realized that it's not very user friendly. So I quickly got rid of it. Uh, but yeah, I will share that on my uh, Twitter handle as well. You can follow me on Twitter as well at Rich Random Fizz. So for the random physicist is basically another name I go by. So Rich Random Fizz or Rich R-A-N-D-O-M-P-H-Y-S as well. Uh, so yeah, please do text in what are your plans for the last week? And do you think we'll go back to remote learning to online learning. We have a couple more minutes left uh, before I'll let everyone go and have a pleasant evening. Um, my hopes are that we actually do go back to some kind of online learning, maybe just for a couple of weeks, maybe just to help stop the spread, um, particularly here in a country like Mexico, because the issue we have here is that a lot of people live paycheck to paycheck and so they can't afford to have time off. There was you know, some funding for people who were sequestered, but it does really depend I'm not sequestered. Um, the other word, people who had to stay at home. Um, people who had to stay at home, not sequestered. That's something else. Uh, but there was some funding available, but it really does depend on the company you're working for as well. Um, there's not as much uh, government funding for those kind of programs. So people then eventually had to go out and work. And there was certain lockdowns, but there weren't specific lockdowns that were like enforced like in the UK, where, you know, if you were caught hosting a party, you would be fined, you know, thousands of pounds. Uh, you just couldn't do that here in a city of 20 million people. It was just impossible to do. Um, but also it was, yeah, it was just hard to enforce. So we had to kind of rely on people's ability to follow the rules and think of the greater good. And unlike the conservative government or the conservative people who decided to have parties last year while people were suffering. Uh, most people in Mexico went, yeah, no, we're going to think of the greater good and we're going to have, you know, tone it down a bit. So, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to go back onto a rant about uh, the UK government. But I mean, this is why you tuned into the Late Late Show, mainly for rants about what it's like in the UK and how I'm so glad that I'm not in that system anymore and also international education. And then every now and then updates about what's happening here in Mexico City. Anyway, we're coming up to the end of the show. I'm going to leave it there. Uh, Thank you again for joining uh, the Late Late Show with me, Rich Wrigley, this evening. It's been great having you on the show. Uh, I look forward to hearing you all again uh, this time next week, where I'll probably try and do something Christmassy, and I promise I won't just be playing that episode of The Simpsons over audio. Okay, anyway, I will see you all next week. Take care, everyone. Buenas noches. Have a lovely evening. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org, or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio.